Welcome to Intentional Growth, a show that teaches you as a business owner and entrepreneur to view and run your company like a financial asset, which will allow you to enjoy work, create wealth, and make an impact. This mindset will help you focus on building a more valuable business and give you the choices to grow, acquire, reinvest, or exit and live the life you plan for, all with intention. And now here's your host, Ryan Tansom. Welcome back. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I am very excited for today's guest. If you are a fan of this show, I would be unbelievably grateful if you went on to your podcast player, gave the show a review. We're constantly trying to level up our guests, level up the content, and share this episode with anybody that you know that is in the trades that's looking to grow a business. We've accumulated a large uh, following in the trade space as well as onboarded quite a few companies in the home services over the last couple of years, which is why I'm very excited to have Tom Reaver on the show. He's a performance coach, HGTV host, and the founder of The Contract Fight, which is a global organization that's transformed the lives and businesses of hundreds of thousands of home improvement contractors worldwide. And over 11 years of experience in his industry, Tom is an absolute blast to have a conversation with. We dove into his mission, which is to really level up and redefine the perception of trades. His whole goal is to help people in the trades stop stealing from their family through time and money and level up their own perception of themselves, perception of the trades, and grow a valuable company. And some of the other things that Tom is going to be talking about today is some personal developments in trades, things that he's been seeing over the years as the trades have become a lot more scarce for labor and a lot of big money has been running after the trades. So there's a lot of cool things that we talk about there. We talk about the importance of financial literacy and business acumen, and Tom's got some great examples of some people that have transformed their lives and companies over putting a lot of work into themselves and what it's like to combat negative stereotypes from an entire industry and a bunch of people that actually are providing some of the most valuable work these days. And he's got a bunch of personal experiences that he shares about how he struggled through his own career and how he essentially landed on all these epiphanies and became a coach through his own experience which I value a lot because he's not just saying it because he read it somewhere. He has done it and he's helping people do it. So thanks everybody for tuning in. And I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Tom. This episode is brought to you by Arcona's Fractional CFO Services. Arcona's Fractional CFOs integrate into your management team and assume the responsibility of the CFO. They become your strategic financial partner to help you run the business, create your value growth plan, and build the financial roadmap to the valuation you want to achieve. Tom, how are you, man? I'm doing good, Ryan. What's going on? This is not your first rodeo, so I think this is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> like my second or third, I think, so something like that. But no, yeah. man, I'm looking forward to it. It's good, good to hang out here. So I I, uh, I was trying to think about how to get this started, Tom. And like I think what's fascinating is the 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 mission that you're on. Let's just start with the mission because I resonate with the mission from some mm-hmm. of my background. But then a lot of our clients and actually the people that are listening onto this show, I think we've, there's probably a cross uh, reference or some people that are on both. Mm-hmm. But I think why don't you just give everybody a little bit of a cliff note of like what what what's the uh, passion and the mission that you're on? Yeah. So you know to get to the point as quickly as possible, we're creating a world where the trades are no longer a fallback option and viewed that way, you know, and we, we do that, you know, uh, if you want to call it our, our methodology, 
is uh, we help you develop or uh, demolish mediocrity in yourself at home and then in your business and in that order. And so, uh, you know, the, the contractor fight was born out of a desire to just help contractors bring respect and dignity back to the trades. I and I love it. You know, I, I grew up in, in a family of contractors and none of them really made any money. They were always tired, dirty, broke, you know, all the white collar kids were going on vacations and we never went anywhere, you know? And, and so I, I spent most of my life trying to not go into the trades and I ended up, you know, uh, there and, and I'm glad I did, you know, cause it's, mm -hmm. it's full of amazing men and women that are adding huge value. And, and so we're, we're really passionate about, you know, we talk a lot about money, like if you're not getting paid, why are you doing this? Right? Like it's, and, and it's I don't, I don't care if you have, right? <laughs> yeah, and I don't care if you have a hot dog stand or if you're a house painter, you know, like if you're going to start a business, run a business, get paid. And right. there's so much, you know, the contractor fight, the fight is between your ears. That's why we call it. That. I love that. I actually wrote that down. Oh, I, like yeah. it's so funny Tom, Cause like my dad always said, like mm -hmm. you got to manage the six inches between your ears. And you actually yeah. said that in your video. I was like, yeah. I freaking love it, man. <laughs> Cause it's the hardest fight ever. You can't just yeah. go lock yourself in a closet and get away from it. You're stuck. <laughs> right. Right. And it's, yeah, you know, it's, we, we all grow up with, with a certain amount of head trash and mental baggage that we carry around. And, and I don't care who you are, you got it you know, a negative self-talk, whatever you want to call it. And I just, I've, I'm 54 and I've, I've grown up in a world where the trades were um, always made out to be like a fallback option and not like a first choice, you know, for most. And, and I don't ever remember anyone in my school history, you know, teachers, counselors, anything, not, not that they were poo-pooing it in any way, but they never encouraged kids to go into the trades. You know, know, and it's, it's and, just um, crazy, Tom. And like, you know, and then they get rid of shop class and all the crap they've done over the past few years across America. And you know, yeah, I, amen, I, I amen. Like it's, it's in it, what I, Tom. What I want to dig into is like, and I don't know if there's special kind of uh, serendipity of the right word or karma or whatever mm -hmm. it is, because like, I'll give, I'll kind of just lay out why I'm so fascinated about this topic is because I like. Yeah, I mentioned a little bit of my story and we had similar kind of like the men, uh, mentality in our, our old space. But like mm -hmm. what I find so fascinating now, Tom, is like all of the big money is going after your industry. Yeah, I got I got people that I've like, I'll tell you this. And then the, the irony is just hilarious is like I got people I know that I graduated college with that went in, yep. got their marketing, communication, analyst, whatever degree. And the, one of my one of these guys I went to college with, he's like. Yeah, this HVAC guy moves into our neighborhood, buys it has a better house than me, and pays all cash for a ninety thousand dollar pool, and he's freaking mm -hmm. broke. <laughs> and so yeah. I'm sitting here going like it literally one eighty, and now we think about AI and all the crap that's going on, and yeah. like there's just so like there's a huge wave, and I see you helping pioneer that wave, and I see the the narrative needing and needing to change not only for the people, so people can go make some money again. Yeah. You know, but also yeah. like bringing respect to it. And so like, what, what, uh, I mean, what was it like in the, I just think about like your, your generation growing up mm -hmm. with that kind of mindset and just all that, like, what does that do to your head trash? Cause I know what you said is yourself, is it your family and then the business and like why you have to start with yourself. And I can only imagine yeah. why, so, like, what was that like? You know, listen, listen, there were some some guys that have grown up in the trades and they've always felt like it was the greatest thing in the world. And they never, 
you know, they didn't have the same worldview I did, right? You know, so I, I don't mean to make this like this was everyone's experience, a but lot I of just, nuances, yeah, yeah, right, you know, right. I just I grew up, you know, I I think part of the if had I grown up in a family where if my dad made a shit ton of money in the trades, I mean, he was a tile guy and a bunch of other stuff through the years, and he and we were always broke. So had I grown up in a family where he actually knew what he was doing to run a business and make money, I probably have a very different view on this. Yeah, and yeah. um. You know, because one of his best friends grew one of the biggest plumbing companies in Illinois at the time, you know, so mm -hmm. it's like it was just two very different experiences. But um, a lot of commonality, don't you think? Though, yeah, like, I know. I know. Like, it, I, I, I respect you for trying not to generalize, but like, yeah. there's kind of the bell curve of like, hey, there are the anomalies over the years that have grown big companies. But generally, there's a lot of contractors that are struggling consistently. Yeah, a lot are a lot are struggling because, you know, they. They think because they can do a build a cool thing or paint a same paint something nice, fix something or whatever that they can start a business. And they certainly can start a business, but the minute you start a business, you got to take off the craftsman hat. You know, it doesn't mean craftsmanship is not important. Of course, it's important, right? But mm -hmm. uh, your number one hat that you have to wear at this point is a business owner, and your number one job as a business owner is to meet needs and get paid. <laughs> and so, <laughs> right. you know, ninety percent of the contractors that we've worked with through the years don't know their numbers they have no idea what their overhead is they don't know what break even revenue even means if i like i'll have 100 contractors in a room i go you know everybody you know I, I pick somebody you know what's your monthly overhead and they're like i think it's 20 grand i go okay what's your break even revenue a month and they're like 20 grand i'm like wrong okay so it's like and, and it's not because they're stupid it's because we're ignorant because we haven't put the reps in mm -hmm. you know to educate ourselves like we have in the trade like they, they'll yeah, know everything yeah. about a freaking saw blade you know yep. and educate yep. themselves on tools and this and that but when it comes to you know the numbers of your business and how to communicate your marketing and how to communicate better in your sales process uh leadership all these different things that are end up becoming overwhelming because they just don't start from day one as a business owner, you know, putting their focus on that stuff. And yeah. sadly we we get guys that have been in business for eight, 10 years, and they don't have anything to show for it except a bunch of debt, you know, yeah. and they're making crappy income. And, you know, and I, I have a just personal opinion. There's no science or anything behind this. It's just opinion. But if, if you've been a home improvement contractor for five years or more, and you're not putting 250 grand in your pocket a year, then you should probably consider going to get a job because it is easy to make money in the trades. Yeah. If you just get some of the fundamentals, especially straight. now with the, the demand yeah. out there. Yeah. Well, the demand you know, is here. I mean, dude, if you answer your phone, <laughs> I know you man. sell the job. I mean, it's like it, it, and it's follow just up and just and do yeah. what you say you're going to do. And it's uh, what's what's fascinating, Tom, and like interesting data points, man, that I want to share with you is like so I spent. 44 days this year uh, doing keynote speaking gigs for like places like Vistage and trade associations. And mm -hmm. uh, I have a big exposure to a lot of different types of industries. We've, mm -hmm. we've started to do a lot of work in your industries or the home services. But what's fascinating to me, Tom, is you could take what you just extrapolated in the home yeah. services into like my dad was a copier sales guy. I told you like we had 21 yeah. million in revenue and we lost a million bucks. Like, yay, revenue. Who gives a shit? Like, yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter. And what I find so fascinating is the middle market entrepreneur is usually a craftsperson, kind of mm -hmm. like what you said. And it's like yeah. the e-myth of Michael Gerber. But like what right. I find fascinating, though, is that other industries, there's more 
acceptance of like, hey, you're a business owner, you were a scientist first, you're a copy salesperson, but like there was this mm-hmm. weird, there's this weird narrative around home services. But even as I was growing up, and I and I'm yeah. uh, like I'm 37, so I'm a decade and a half younger than you or so. But like the, the problem was is like that narrative made this gap and this chasm of like we need people in the trades for God's sakes. Yeah. It's insane. Well, listen, we we've done ourselves when I say we that trades people, okay. Uh We've not done ourselves any favors. Okay, let's start with that. You know, if if anyone's listened to the contractor fight, any of our content over the years, you'll know that I'm very quick to ask you to own your crap, right? Mm -hmm. Like look in the mirror and go, where have I screwed this up? You know, in my own business, my own life, my own relation, you know, the extreme ownership stuff, right? So Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. And, you know, the trades in general are a very easy there's a, a low barrier to entry. And, you know, so again, you don't, you don't have to put in years of discipline and, and studying and stuff like you do for some other occupations, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make the trades any less important. Than those other occupations yep, yep, yep. just I'm mean it's easy. Yeah. So number one, it's easier to get in. Number two, um, we haven't done ourselves any favors by being a bunch of knuckleheads, you know, like, like I said, answer your phone, you know, um, don't, park in somebody's driveway when you pull up for your appointment with them, you know, actually get it, get up on time and move your body and don't be a fat ass, you know, that, and the oxygen first. Yeah. Yeah, Get oxygen, right. You got to get oxygen. It's, it's, you know, take a shower and brush your teeth before you get in your work truck and go meet people. So, you know, I'm the number of contractors I see out in the world that have bedhead, just start with that. It's like, it just, this is the brand you guys are putting out there. Right. And so it's it's all these just self-respect things. And that's why we talk about demolishing media mediocrity in you mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know how many guys in the trades that I've known through the years, and I was one of them for a while, where you know, all in the name of growing the business, you stop going to the gym, all in the name of providing your family, all you do is work and you know, you blow off date nights. And you might be, yeah, I was present for all of my kids' games and stuff, but you know what I was doing? I was over on my phone texting customers, doing, I was that dad walking around on the phone at the game and trying to see what's going on. I wasn't all in all the time. Mm -hmm. So I just think all these things combined don't do us any favors for when other people look at the trades and go, I want that, you know, and then you add the money component onto it where most guys in the trades are broke, you know, um, there's, there's too many too many stories in the news about contractors, you know, ripping people off. And I just think that, you know, that's, that's why we're, we're on the war path here, man, in the fight to, to change, change you, the individual. Okay. To be somebody like who's, and I don't mean like a bodybuilder or David Goggins. I just put put together somebody that's just, Hey, I take care of my body. I take care of my mind. I have a strong home life. I have a great marriage. All right. And I got a fat wallet, like make yourself attractive. If you want to solve the labor issue in the trades, the current contractors need to be attractive to other people so that you yeah, look at that. Yeah. Cause everyone now, you know, all the young kids now, I want to be an influencer, social media, social media influencer and stuff. And it's like, good luck with that. You know, you know one, oh, well, here's a glimmer of hope. Thomas. Jesus. I was, I was, uh, no, I I'm tracking everything you're saying. And so I got a younger brother who's 30 and I think there's this like him and below, there's this mindset that's starting to change. And I was, uh, I, my wife and I were interviewing this babysitter. So I got daughters that are seven right now. And uh, 
And I was talking to this gal, she's a senior in high school, and she said 50%, and there it's a big school, are going into apprenticeships and services. And I was like, holy shit, isn't that crazy? Like, yeah. so there's there's some momentum going, man, which I think is awesome. Mm -hmm. But I think it's fascinating because, like, the, the, I got the opposite, like, uh, upbringing where, like, it was, like, polish your shoes, wear a suit, even though you're broke and you no one needs you. <laughs> so yeah. it was, like, yeah. it was, like, it was the whole fake it till you make it crap. And then, mm -hmm. like, the, but there's, like, there's the overcompensation of the vanity crap. You know what I mean? So like yeah. I, everything you're just talking about is so important. And I think honestly, man, I, there's like a, there's some stuff out there about the, the men crisis and I want to get too much into that, but like, yeah. there, there's like, there's, we need to have people that have got their crap together and there's a really good money to be made. And like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you, if you don't just some of the stuff that, that, that I'm talking about here, it's all designed to help you build your own confidence, right? Mm -hmm. First and foremost, get oxygen. I am never going to be as strong for my family or my business or my customers or anything unless I take care of me first. And a lot of us, you know, with good intentions, we flip it, put everything else first. And so when you start honoring the commitment you make to yourself each day to go to the gym, to eat right, to, you know, to be on time for appointment, you know, whatever it is, every time you honor a commitment to yourself, your confidence increases. Mm -hmm. All right. And you become more attractive, more magnetic. People want to be around confident people, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you, you, I don't know about you, but last thing I want to do is go hang with somebody who's got low self-esteem, right? Because it's just like a wet <laughs> rag. off the bridge. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, come on, you know? And so I, I think a lot, of, a lot of contractors, because they don't take care of themselves first, that carries over, you know, how you do one thing's how you do everything, right? So mm -hmm. if you're not confident in who you are, you're not confident in your relationships at home, that success is an inside out game, you're not going to be confident when it comes time to raise your prices, to spit out what you think is a high price to a prospect. And then now you're then you're selling from desperation. Which everybody smells that immediate, immediately. Yeah. Yeah, so just a, it's a doom loop that goes in itself mm -hmm. fulfilling. So I found it awesome how vulnerable you are or on your, on your uh, website and your story. And like, cause like, I think that honestly, Tom, people can only get this convicted about this topic if they've mm -hmm. seen the opposite. <laughs> and I, and you, why don't you explain to the audience, like how you got to this point where you know that this is the truth. Well, I burned a lot of my own life to the ground. <laughs> I mean, that's just, as, you know, Listen, we we were building a great painting company outside of Chicago. Was doing millions of dollars a year, and and um, you know we uh, we were you know revenue wise and and even profit wise for some of our years, we were in the top you know five to seven percent of companies in our industry, right? And doing great things. I had a great business partner, and I mean, shit, we were doing I don't know three hundred jobs a year or some crap like that. Like Whoa. it was, we were humping, that's a, humping. That's a machine, yeah. and we were doing it with a pretty small team. And, and, you know, I think what happened is a kind of a combination of everything we talked about. Like I, I thought it was all about building the business. I thought that's how you took care of your family. And, you know, and that was, that was my first marriage. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I wasn't always what I needed to be at home. I always put the business first because I, you know, money makes the world go around and life's easier when you make money. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, mm -hmm. but what's funny is I, the more I put the business first, it was almost like the less I'd made, mm -hmm. you know, because I was just always on and I never had any mental bandwidth. I wasn't taking care of myself. I was obsessed and I lacked confidence, all the things that we talk about. And, 
you know, and then there's a perfect storm of just some certain situations in life and business and, and some family things that just combined all at the, like I said, a perfect storm. And, you know, I ended up filing bankruptcy. So here I was, really? you know, built, yeah, building this yeah. business. And um, it was a personal thing, wasn't a business thing. And it was just a mess. We had a lot going on, you know, that I won't go into that are personal issues and health things and whatever. But, you know, when I look back, I look back at how I approached business and my health and time and family. And it's just a lot of hard lessons were learned. And, um, you know, on the tail end of that business, you know, we, we were doing really good. We were coming through the recession in 09 or whatever that was. And we kept our whole team together. We were actually more profitable during the recession. And, uh, some would say we were kind of hitting our, our stride and really about Mm -hmm. to go next level with things. And I woke up one day and I said, I'm done. I sold my half of the business to my partner, you know, because I, I, it was just more important for me to have an impact in some of the lessons that I learned in life. And I've always been a coach at heart. I coached high school football for 17 years. Uh, I, I love helping people achieve their next level of success. And, and so that's just where I wanted to spend my time. And I think that's another lesson I've learned is, you know, there's no gun to your head that you have to grow a business that you have to grow a business and do it for the rest of your life. There's no, you know, like, I think you got to define what success and happiness means to you and don't waste any time pursuing that, you know? uh, Amen, man. And like, so my personal, I've been, been through various situations like you're talking about. And my question is like, what I've always struggled with, it's like, it's like, you know, that the shit, is gonna eventually like once like let me i'll speak from my own experience is like mm-hmm. i know when i'm going through something miserable now that there's gonna be a good outcome if i process it correctly yeah <laughs> but you're just like <laughs> damn it this is really not fun but yeah. like so like and it's this weird like um I'm trying to think of the analogy i snowboard and it's uh, this, it's counterintuitive over like with snowboarding when i learned how to snowboard like if you lean into the hill it's actually yeah. easier which is the opposite of what the hell you think, right? Because you think mm-hmm. you're like, you're going to like look back and you're, you're, you're leaning back and trying to go slower. But if you lean into the hill and go faster, it's way easier. And that's yeah. why I think these experiences, like what about the experiences that you went through where it's like almost like a trust fall where it's like you're kind mm-hmm. of, you're learning what you're going through, but then you have to lean into something that you know is not known or it's the yeah. unknown. How, do you, yeah. you track what I'm saying here? I'm trying to think of how to put, how to put words to it. Yeah, I totally leaned into the unknown when I, I mean, people thought I was nuts when I left my company. I mean, a lot of people thought I was off my rocker. Like you spent almost, you know, think at the time we were eight years into it and it was humming along and, you know, in business, like you got to be in the game long enough to win. Yep. yep. Right. Very few businesses. Do you open a business and a year later, you're on top of the world. Right. So (laughs) it's, and, and it was, um, we were just, I think, figuring some things out, but I, I, you know, people thought I was crazy, but I had such a passion. Like it just, this voice, this feeling just going, Hey, this is great. You've, you've proven you can do this. You could continue to do this, but are you really fulfilled? Do you really feel like you're living your purpose? And you know, Mm -hmm. that little voice, that little nudge just kept saying, Hey, let's, let's, let's step into the, into the unknown a little bit. And man, the first couple of First couple of years, I was just kind of hanging out, just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, probably two, three years of that. 
I mean, dude, I drove from, you, you know, the Midwest. I drove from just outside of Chicago, Naperville area, yep, all the way to there. Eau Claire, Wisconsin. <laughs> Close to me, man. You almost made it to Snowball. That's right. That's right. So check this out. Um, to do a speaking gig, I had to spend the night and then drive back. So round trip, it was probably like thousand 12, miles out, 12 hours i you know yeah. something like because it's like four hours to wausau and then another couple <laughs> hours right so anyway it was it was spent the night paid for a hotel i charged 500 bucks to go speak at this thing man and i'll tell you i i wish i could remember the organization i suppose if i really wanted to find out i could find out but this was uh this had to be like 2012 or 13 i had no clarity of my message I, they invited me to oh, come. Oh man, speak. I've been there. <laughs> and and there was like 150 people in this room, and um, and I I bombed, man. Like they were gracious, they clapped and stuff. But I've had so many of those gigs. But but that's my point. Is like I was leaning in. I didn't know, you know. They asked me to speak on some stuff, and so I came up and I spoke. But I had, like I said, I I just didn't have the reps. I didn't have the confidence. I didn't have the stories. I, um. I think I was trying to be something I wasn't. I don't know if you've ever done that as a speaker where you try oh to, yeah. you, you know, where, and so that, that's why I just, <laughs> I made a decision that I'm just going to be real. Take me, leave me. In fact, I get an, I don't it's get invited. It? It's yeah. When you, when you start, it's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, I I've spoken, I, we put on our own big events every year. I got, uh, you know, I, I, I've spoken the last decade at a, at a lot of different places and private workshops and businesses and, you know, shit, had a show on HGTV as a host for a minute. All right. So I'm no stranger to be in front of crowds and cameras. And I'll tell you what, what's funny is because I made a commitment to just be myself. There's a lot of things I don't get invited to do, which is okay. okay? Though, right? Because, because I, I kind of, I don't really have a filter. And, um, and I'm just going to be me. And I, I think we live in a world of people that are just trying to impress each other instead of tell each other the truth. Um, yeah. what were some of the things that you, that you were afraid to lean into? Cause I think this is, by the way, the, why I think this yeah. is so relevant, Tom, is because I think all the listeners that are business owners or contractors, that's like, it's whether it's raising prices or like knowing yeah. that you don't know shit about your numbers, it's all this unknown where like, we have to just like, I don't know, man, like people are just figuring it out every day. Yeah, you know, I think first and foremost, the, the and we could talk for days on this and we won't, but just for time's sake, I um the number one lesson I learned is that I'm not stupid. Okay. Mm. And the reason I say that is I grew up and I rode the short buses and was in special ed for two years, okay, in grade school. I hated school. The only reason I ever did I stayed in school was to play football. And then I joined the Marine Corps. And uh, long story short, for decades, I carried this anchor on my shoulders that I was stupid. Mm -hmm. And so what that would do in relationships, my my business partnership, who I said mm -hmm. I'm a great partner, but I sabotaged a lot of that stuff because I didn't trust myself. I didn't because I thought it was stupid. So I wouldn't share my opinion. And then when I did, it was an explosion of emotion because I'd been stuffing it for so long, right? I'm, sorry, so, I'm, la I'm laughing because laughing I'm like, you've I mean, done it, right? Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah. shit, yeah. is Tom been watching me? <laughs> and, oh, crap, man. And so that biggest, the biggest lesson oh, is, um, the biggest lesson is, I think, number one, I, I came to realize I wasn't stupid. Number two, I wasn't confident because 
I wasn't, um, I wasn't disciplined enough with just little things. Right. Um, and I think when, when you're, when you lack confidence, a lot of bad shit happens. You make stupid decisions. I had a lot of money mindset issues from growing up that I didn't deal with, you know, which prevented me from raising prices. And it, you know, I think well, believing that you could raise prices, that believing that you could, yeah. that's even yeah. possible. And, you know, I, I came, I mean, man, I could, I could go on for days of the lessons learned, but I, you know, I think the, you know, when I look back, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to talk about the fact that I went bankrupt. You know, mm -hmm. there was a lot of people that, that were like, I was probably one of the last guys they thought that would have gone bankrupt, uh -huh. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I and, it, um, yeah, it's, you know, and then it was funny is right, right after my bankruptcy, I'm talking like two months after it was finalized, the president of our local bank called me up where our business had its, um, and I'd sold my half of the business at this point and all this garbage, maybe mm -hmm. it was six months later, whatever. It doesn't matter. President of the bank calls me up, invites me to be on their board of directors. And I'm like, you know, I, I just had a bankruptcy. <laughs> right. And I'll tell you what that did. His name's Ken, great guy. He, um, he gave me a little bit of confidence when I didn't have any, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not sure he, he quite knows what he did, but just the fact that he invited me and I was on that board for a couple of years. And then I got to see behind the scenes of so many different businesses because, you know, we'd have to review certain loans, not all of them, right, but there were right, certain right, right. things we had to get do. exposure to what everybody else has got, got going exposure. On, right? And I'll tell you what, man, the contractors were making all the fucking money and the doctors were all <laughs> in debt and the doctors were all broke. I'm telling you, it was crazy. And, um, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm so, laughing because Tom literally yeah. like, and God bless my dad. And I know he'd, he'd laugh at this story now, but he pulled it in a freaking Jaguar. Or I'm sorry, not a Jaguar, a Maserati, Tom, mm -hmm. into our parking lot. And all of our freaking payables are at 90 days. And yeah. I'm like, what the hell, man? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Like Pardon the brief interruption. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Tom. This is for anybody that is in the home services space that wants to view and run their company like a financial asset and get visibility into the future so they can get the visibility so they can go do what they love the best. And the reason I bring this up is because my team at Arcona, we've onboarded a lot of people in the home services space over the last couple of years. We've been integrating our financial dashboard with Service Titan so people can see their operational data, their financial data, and forecast all that into the future so you can make good decisions about actually how to build a business, how to hire people, resource planning, how to forecast out your distributions, your valuation, and making sure that you're getting where you want to go to make it all worth it. So that way you can, as Tom keeps saying, quit stealing from your life and from your family so you can get more time back, make more money, and have more fun so that way you can get rewarded for all the hard work and sacrifice you've done over the years. All you have to do is schedule a discovery call with me and my team. My uh, team does offer a complimentary financial assessment if there's a good fit. You can just use the link in the show notes below. Thanks everybody for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the rest of the interview with Tom. So, you know, I, I just, I learned, you know, that built my confidence. And then, you know, I think um, there were so many good people in my life that would just, I mean, I don't mean to paint this picture like that I was some big loser. I made some shitty decisions financially, put myself in a, in a crap situation and I learned a lot of lessons from it. Right. Like, and so, mm -hmm. and, and quite honestly, I, I don't, really trust a mentor or a coach if they haven't been kicked in the teeth, you know? So I think I, I bring oh, I, a lot of I value agree. to people because of the failures. You know, I wish I had nothing but 
golden spoon stories, you know, but like, uh, but, but, but okay. I want to challenge it. Do you but, actually, no, I don't really believe yeah, that, exactly. but I'm just well, saying, no, but, no, but I'm know, just saying like, like, if well, I were this you, is my question, Tom is yeah. like, is I don't know if it's possible to have a good outlook yeah. on life without this. And I'm curious if yep. you think so. And cause I, I've eaten glass way too many times and then like yeah. 90% of them have been self-inflicted for a lot of the reasons you just well, that, And that's a key point. That's a key point. So when I say, I wish I had these golden spoon stories instead of the throat punch mm-hmm. stories, it's, it's because when I look back 90% of the, if you want to call it bad shit that happened, mm-hmm. it's friendly fire. Yeah. It was my own mindset, my yeah. own lack of, communicating honestly with a business partner or with a client or whatever it might be my own, you know, all that other stuff. It was all, I look back now with 2020 vision and I go, I had control over every one of these situations. And I, and I chose not to be in control. I chose to be a victim. So that's why I say, like, mm-hmm, I wish mm-hmm. I would have made, yeah, however, however, every single experience I've had and that you've had makes us who we are. Right. And, and, and I wouldn't it- trade that, you know, like even, right. even the things I did, you know, that weren't ideal in my family, excuse me, years ago, just not being present and stuff. They've taught me a lesson. And this time around with my wife, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like super husband, you know, super engaged. You know, we have five kids between us and, and um, nothing comes between, you know, my wife and I like it. Right, it's right. It, And it, I don't think I would have this had I not you know, had those Gone other through, experiences. Yeah. Are, you you know, so. the book, are you familiar with the book Conversations with God? No, I've heard of uh, it, it's but a, I haven't it's read a, it. It's, a, it's not uber religious. It's mm-hmm. um, what, 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 here's my takeaway on this, Tom. And I just want to experience here because I, it, it yeah. was uh, instrumental in my, in my processing of this kind of stuff is if the goal of life is to have our experiences, like that's the goal is to live our journey. Like it's not, it's to be and to go through our experiences and if like love and fear, are like the kind of the two main things, if yeah. you're a hundred percent in love, like you need relativity and you need fear. Mm-hmm. And then my, my point about this is then the entire point of life is to get closer towards like the love category and the only, like, so every experience we have is relativity. So we can go, don't like that. Like that. Don't like that. Like yep. that. And like, that's the point. And so then we can like wake up and go, holy crap, I was an idiot and I shouldn't do that again. But like without those experiences and the relativity, we Mm -hmm. don't know who we want to be. So like without all of that crap, like then therefore like we wouldn't get to where we are. So it's like, it's almost like this false choice where like we can't have the, just the silver spoon. I wasn't, and I totally agree that you weren't saying that, but like what I think is so fascinating about the opportunity and the fight and the mission that you're on Mm -hmm. is with the shit that the contractors and home services space has gone through, the opportunity to show up in a way that is changing for their lives, for mm-hmm. their families' lives, and for their customers and the people that need them in a way that's not arrogant or yeah. like like it, it's like the ability to do it the way that you're doing to say, hey, like I can be confident but not egotistical. I don't know, man. I just think that there's a huge opportunity. Yeah, you, you know, you wouldn't believe the amount of pushback I get on our YouTube channel and podcast when I get on there and I start talking about contractors need to charge what they're worth, charge your prices, 50% gross profit minimum, all this other stuff. And it's the contractors that reply going, F you, man, you got to be fair to your customers. And if you charge those rates, you'll never get any work and this and that. And it's like, I'll tell you what, if we could get over the collective bullshit head <laughs> trash of the contracting industry, 
it'd be a much different world and people would be flocking to the trades, I tell you, because of the example that contractors would be setting. So what is the reason behind that, you think? You know, it it dude, you're you're afraid of things that you're not prepared for. Like if you don't put, I mean, think about something that um uh all right, I'll give you an example. When I was in the Marine Corps, <clears throat> you know, I was an infantry Marine and we were trained to do certain things, right? Because of the training, when you're in the thing. I don't want to say you're not scared and stuff, but like you, you're, there's a confidence, right? Mm-hmm. When I was running a painting business after I was out of the Marine Corps, we had to paint 150 dorm rooms in like three days. And it was crazy, man. The, the schedule I'm laying in bed and my heart is pounding out of my chest and I'm terrified because I hadn't trained for that, if that makes sense. So I just think, totally. you know, co- contractors are their own worst enemy because they haven't put the time in to develop their skills and communication and numbers and marketing and those different things. And so they're afraid of it. So their fists go up and they go, you can't charge that in my area, or you don't, you don't know my customers. They're a bunch of cheapskates and you know, all that bullshit that we can all say about, you know, any industry if we choose to. And they, they just, I mean, it's funny, like, um, most other industries like real estate, financial planning, this and even even the the, the um, attorneys and stuff, uh, mm-hmm. dude, are big into like coaching and mentoring. The contracting industry as a whole, like most contractors have no idea what it means to be coached or mentored. Now, in the last yeah. few years, in the last few years, like there's it momentum. Seems like everyone and their brother's a contractor coach now, right? But um, <laughs> which is fine. But it's just funny, like our sales team, one of the biggest questions they get when these guys get on the call with our sales team is like, well, how does this work? How does coaching work? And what do I have to do? And a lot of them think like, oh, you sign up and then there's an easy button. And just by osmosis, your life's going to get better. You know, and my wife, she'll tell you, she goes, she's like, you want to know what the golden ticket is? You get your ass up in the morning and you do the shit that you need to do to be successful. That's your golden ticket. Right. Totally. Yeah, totally. So, so I just think we have a lot of, I think the, the contracting industry is lagging behind in a few areas. Uh, but those who embrace this stuff, those who own their crap, those who understand that, you know, implementation of the things you're learning is key. They win at big levels. I mean, do we have people come in <laughs> one dude doing 300 grand a year top line as a general contractor lost 11 grand and maybe paid himself like 10 or 12, 14 grand for the year. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's the snapshot. Yep. Within yep. 12 months, he was uh doing 2.7 million mm-hmm. at a 50% profit and paying himself a half a million. He was home by four o'clock every night. Uh, isn't okay? that amazing? That shows you the and, demand is out there. It's so yeah. crazy. Um, but God, what it's... he did is he looked in the mirror and he didn't he stopped caring about what the going rate was. He controlled the things that he could control. He worked on himself, his home life, then the business, all the things that we've been talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And non-negotiably planted his flag and said, I don't care if I'm a GC and it can't be done in my industry, I'm gonna get a 50% gross profit on all the work that I do, or I'm not doing the job. And he made that those commitments, which enabled him to offer better value and service to his clients because he had the money, he didn't have to run to the next job, rob Peter to pay Paul. And every year his business grows almost doubles every year since then because of the order that you're doing things. A lot of guys are trying to do things in their business, which is like, uh, like here, here's the one I want to scale my business. We hear that a lot. I hate, I hate the, I I hate the word scale. Right. And I'm like, all right, well, 
<clears throat> before we scale, let's make sure that you have consistent sales and that your consistent sales are consistently profitable, as high profit as you can get with what you're doing before we go to scale the business. Because what a lot of guys do, <clears throat> they think they're going to scale themselves to profitability and they end up just scaling a turd. You know, you have a little, you have a little pile of shit here in your business. And yeah. then you go, I'm going to add more crews or another location. So it just gives me a bigger pile of shit. Uh -huh. Okay. Yep. And so, um, when you know, I think about what's fascinating and like the confidence that people should have time is what's worse than 11 grand a year and working 70 hours a week. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and like, like the, it's only upside. So you go say, Hey, mm -hmm. no, I'm going to do one job for $30,000 at 50% margin for the whole next year. And you're yeah. better off. And you're better <laughs> off. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, but, but this is just the education part. And I'll tell you the number one thing I, I think that gets people gets contractors to wake up about this is, we have them start job costing their current projects. Like, hey, the jobs that you just finished, go back to a after action report, right? I bid mm -hmm. it for this. This is what we did it for. This is how long it took. This is what we made. And when you just start looking at the game tape, it wakes you up in a hurry. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, somebody asked me. Did uh, you do that in the oh, painting business too? When you said, what, oh, yeah. what was it like? They, you charged, what was it? 24, 28 grand. And it was twice as much or something like that. So the cost. Yeah, you know, my first year of business, I sold a $28,000 job. It was going to carry me through the winter. I thought I was going to be rich. It was this guy, GC, in his own house, so the place was empty. I could just go in and work. It cost me, I charged twenty-eight. It cost me forty-five grand to do the job, which meant, based on our rules that we teach and coach, I should have charged about hundred grand for the job, okay? And so I shortchanged myself because he was a moron, uh, and I'm not blaming him. It was all my fault. But the guy was also a moron, GCing his own project, find out he was a colorblind lawyer. And so he could never pick oh, colors. And I mean, it was a mess. I, this project, <laughs> this project took me a year to finalize. And he hemmed and hawed about like another five or 10 grand of upcharge, which was, wasn't even enough. So I, that's what I say, total friendly fire, right? Yep, so, yep, 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 yep. but, but that job ended up being a masterclass for me. That has now enabled me than an to, MBA, right? to, to build, to not only build my, you know, what I'm doing, but also to help a lot of other people avoid mm -hmm. mistakes and make them. I mean, you know, we, we've helped people generate over a billion dollars through our programs in the last few years, That's man. That's so cool. Tom. And, um, you know, we're, we're just, you know, we're a very vulnerable group. You know, I'm, I couldn't be prouder of our fight team and all of our coaches and our admin team and. What do you see as you know. the, the where, where's the momentum going now? Because like like I said, I mentioned about like those high schoolers and like the how many people are looking at the trades mm -hmm. or apprenticeships. Like, what do you see this in five years? Yeah, so we've seen a big uptick in people actually going into the trades, and I think there there's a couple reasons. A lot of a lot of guys get laid off because their current business owner doesn't know how to run a business, so they get laid off, or you know the economy, whatever people want to blame. And so they go off and they start their own thing. And, and because they do that, they are now Googling things and going on YouTube and finding our content. And so we've seen a huge uptick in our self-guided courses, like on Know Your Numbers and How to Sell and stuff for mm -hmm. three, four, five hundred bucks. You can get these courses that we do. So we're seeing a lot more of demand for that come in. I'm seeing, believe it or not, I'm seeing from the consumer side a desire for 
contractors to just step the hell up, honor the commitments they mm -hmm. make. And, and I don't mean like, I mean, there, there's always been that segment of people, but I think the, the mediocrity is so common in the trades that your average client is just going, God, just answer your phone or just call me I'll back. I'll pay you more. Just like, call me I back. Just, I just want my problem solved and they're dying to be understood is really the general yeah. consensus here. When And when you can make somebody feel understood, especially in your sales process and your marketing, things like that, it's game over. Mm -hmm. So I see, you know, there's technology and AI and all this other stuff, but I'm, I'm seeing a, and maybe I'm seeing it because we're pushing it on our end, but I'm all for innovation and technology, but I think we've lost the human touch. Yeah, I don't even know. Like, like I mean, I think about the AI that's coming after like yeah. white collar jobs, Tom. It's not even like we're we're a long way away from someone getting on a on a ladder to do some gutters or to right. do a roof or yeah. to go all the way downstairs, fill you know, go through your HVAC mm -hmm. system. And I think that there's a huge opportunity though because of that and because of the needs yeah. there. And the the threat's not there. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, certainly the the actual work part of things is going to be a while, right, before robots are doing that. But right. I think I think just think there's so much automation. I think yeah, there's there's the so many end. so many, um, and I don't mean this to be like I'm ripping on like younger generations. I'm not trying to be the old codger right now, but um, people don't people forgotten how to talk to another person, right? You know, and everything's text, and you know. You know, we got five kids ranging from uh, 18 to what, 23. You ask any one of them to like, hey, call that place and, you know, see if they have a table available or well, and they're like, I don't want to call. Like, you know, you like I just, table time. Yeah, yeah. And so just people don't like, but and so we're we're intentionally working really hard, not not throwing out innovation and technology and automation, but like you got to have that balance in your business of like. Yeah, I want automations for efficiency and things like that. But if it if you're missing out on human connection, I think you're you're really hurting your business. And so I think that's really that's your career where, and your business yeah. and everything. Yeah. If you I can't agree. look another person in the eyes and ask good questions and have a conversation and not get flustered if you feel like they ask you a question and say no. I mean, yeah. I think about it like I, the listeners probably get sick of me, but I, I grew up cold calling, man. I yeah, went to the so I went I. to the biggest building in Minneapolis, and I was like, I don't know, I'm gonna get the shit kicked out of me. I might as well go there. But like, it's so crazy rare, and like, it like. But also, here's what wow, a question I have for you is that like so, given like I agree with you, like robots aren't coming for these jobs. There's a lot of automation on the back end, but like. The services is just that it's people yeah. and it's customer service doing whatever mm -hmm. home service you are. And I have watched the flood of big money come after these industries because there's a lot of really good cash flow in these companies that are doing pretty well. Tons. And Tons. I just look at and so Tom, I got this, I got the same comment I could say for every industry. It's like if I go on my Twitter feed and say, let's take X amount of money and roll up blank industry, digital marketing services, ask company. It's like and then it's all coming after the home services. And I have this uh, clip I should send you where it's like, it's this, it's all these cars. And there's this one car, it says 55 year old HVAC business owner. And then it's all these cars that is like Deloitte, EY, private equity going, Hey, by the way, you know, cause they got it. fired from their jobs and all that stuff. That's but funny. I'm like, 
like you can't just do a, a, a spreadsheet model 45 degrees up of like hey by the way all we do is roll up the you know plumbing hvac home services like all these home services because it's a people business that's, yeah. that's also where i came from and i'm sitting here going i don't see this i mean i see the opportunity but it's the it's not being thought through of the lens of customer service mm -hmm. people and it's apprenticeship and culture and like you can't see that in the spreadsheet unless you yeah. do it naturally and so what is your exposure i mean are you seeing the same kind of shit yeah i i mean i'll 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 give you two two sides business owner and then employee like the number of business owners that will ask me in dms or whatever it is Hey, I know you talk about have you have to get out there and meet people and do prospecting. Um, I'm a painter and I want to I want to um, get more GC work. What do I say to them? Like it's it and this this like yeah like it's just that, annoys that. me. I'm like, are you that unresourceful? Like seriously, you know? I'm sorry. Did Google not stroke you off and give you the answer in five seconds? You know, like and so. Maybe I don't say know. just that. I, hey, I, I don't, don't like the well, well, I'll be like, I don't know if your nads were on fire and you had to connect with a GC to get them extinguished. How quickly do you think you'd come up with something to say? You know, so it's it's just <laughs> this. And and here here's my prospecting line I've used my whole life. Everything I've ever done, it's a variation of this. Okay. Hey. Joe, I see you build custom homes. I happen to paint houses. I, I thought we might need to know each other. That's it. Dude, I, I drive around Colorado Springs here. I see a contractor in a store wearing a shirt. And I'm like, hey, I see that you do remodeling. I run this thing called the contractor fight. I thought we might need to know each other. And we have a conversation. I mean, guys, don't overcomplicate this. And I see that more with like the younger people. They don't know how to talk to people. And it drives me crazy. Now on the employee side, People, owners, it's the owner's fault, by the way, are not, because they don't charge enough, because they're not choosing to be a student of their business and the numbers and marketing and sales and leadership, they end up doing no professional and personal development for their people because they can't afford to and they don't know how to and all the other whatever excuses. And therefore, people don't stay with them and continue to grow and have an actual career, mm -hmm. you know? So like, and so and it all starts with their mind and then their family yeah. and then their the pricing and then they can't afford the right pay and the right benefits and the right professional development. It just is this ripple effect. All there the way are down. a lot of good people in the trades that are not going to stay in the trades because the owners are a bunch of knuckleheads because you're, they're not doing their part to make the money and invest in their people. And so they look at this and go, why would I give them? And they could be, there are a lot of people, really good character that like to build stuff, that want to be in the service business, whatever. And they look at the, these, the company they're with and they go, if I give my time and my talent and my sweat to this company, what am I going to have to show for it in 10 years? Mm -hmm. Nothing. And that's on the owner, mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, I'm tired of owners going, oh, nobody wants to work hard. Nobody wants to come into the trade. Well, you know what? Be the type of company somebody wants to work for. All right. Right. And right? also like, and, and also it's like, I'll, I'll give you an example of some of this, this, this uh, conversation, Tom can't escape me. It was like four years ago, this guy, uh, they had a property management business and a home remodel and a remodeling business, right? Cause they were doing all their work for all mm -hmm. their properties. And we're sitting in this conversation and this guy, he's like, call he's 50 and he's like you know 
and because we're, we're talking about valuation value growth so he can get what he wants right so like that's where we where we're coming in with our training and our education and and he's having this conversation we're talking about his you know 800 to a million dollars in normalized EBITDA the cash flow and mm -hmm. we're like okay so you're doing a million dollars roughly and then he does that whole thing he starts bitching about all of his employees Mm -hmm. No one shows up. People don't want to work. And I said, let's call him Bob. I said, Bob, what are you paying these people? Yeah. 18 bucks an hour, no benefits. And I'm like, yeah, would you I show up for that? <laughs> it wouldn't work for you either. Yeah. Like, hey, man, maybe you can increase your valuation if you like it's it, mm -hmm. the insanity of that conversation has just like stuck inside my head going like, like, come on, man. Like, mm. there's got to be some investment in your people. And like, you know, again, raise your prices, pay your people more, increase the benefits. There's good cash flow in the business. Well, you, you have to be able to communicate to your team what's in it for them if they stick with you, right? So it's not enough just to put your vision out there. You know, and some would say, create a vision so big that everyone else's vision $20 million. Fits dollars, you know, yeah, right, right. Right. I don't care what your vision is. Point is, I'm going to care more about your vision and giving myself to it if I know what's really in it for me too. Because every human being wants to know what it's it, what's in it for them. And I think that's one of the biggest things. I'm glad you brought this up. You know, I'm, you know, I'm thinking of one of uh one of my good friends and and former business partner, only former because he retired, who all the guys in his company, all his foremen, and he had a small water feature company. It was massively profitable. He sold it for a few million bucks, by the way. But anyway, uh, all his foremen made a hundred grand a year, you nice. know. And now, and they they and they ended up buying the company. I talked to my buddy. The you know? he he has a he has like uh, I think they have six or seven people on their uh, deck install. They they install decks. They're all making a buck twenty, right? <laughs> and they're just like, that's awesome, man. Mm hmm. You know, and I mean, their hourly was a hundred and then they, they did upsells and got commissions and did some sales and whatever That's it was. Awesome. The point is, is like, if you don't create an environment where people like in our world, we call, um, we have this phrase, it's hashtag FW it stands for F and winner. Okay. Yeah. And that's our version of an A player. Okay. I hate the term A player because it's just too soft and corporate for me. Right. <laughs> so we call them, we call them FWs. And if you want a winner, to be attracted to your company and stay with your company, they have to see that they have opportunity to keep winning if they're with you, right? And mm -hmm. it's not a dead end. It's not that complicated. I don't know why so many people can't figure this out that if for no other reason, you know, raise your damn prices and invest in your company so you could build a team. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, man, it's- But it's all it I think, between the six inches between the head. Yeah, and I think a yeah. lot of employees get thrown under the bus. I was talking to a guy the other day, one of our programs, Amazing guy, amazing salesman, doing great revenue. We kind of dug into his business, and he's just having issues with profitability, meaning jobs not finishing on time, too many callbacks, you know, some of those typical things. And we got, uh, you know, I'm listening, and I'm listening, and this and that. And he was not, like, um, throwing his team under the bus at all, you know? Because I asked him, I said, well, what do, what do you think the cause of this is? And he, we're on a Zoom, and he kind of looks down, and he goes, it's me. It's just me. And I go, all right, well, what are you going to do about it? Let's, let's, we don't need to beat you up. You've owned it. You've owned your crap. Now let's just fix yep. this shit. Yep. Right. I mean, and I'm like, well, it, what did you do wrong? What will you do differently going into the new year and this, and that? And he was like, 
I just made too many assumptions that they could read my mind. I, you know, was focused on wow, this. Wow, I was that's focused some good ownership on that. right there. Yeah, it was. I mean, and and he's he's been a been in our world for a long time, has his act together, love the guy. But more owners need to do that. Like instead of bitching at, at your team. Now, listen, he had some team members he had to get rid of and some guys that are on the bubble and things like that. But for the most part, he's like, you know, we're not hitting jobs on time. We got some issues with callbacks and this and that. It's not all on them. I got to own my crap and do my part too. And I'm, I'm a very big, I guess the word's proponent of not firing people until I know I have done everything possible. Yeah, amen to that, Tom. To yep, set like them it. up for success. Yep. You know, because I've burned through a lot of good people because I didn't do that in the past. And now I look mm -hmm. back with perfect 2020 vision and I go, man, he was a really good dude. And I blew that. Yep, yep. I messed that up and so forth. And I just think. Um, what I love about this whole, I'm going to just call it this massive, massive opportunity, Tom, is, dude, I think about the other industries that we work with. Mm -hmm. And like AI is like the biggest threat or like margin yeah. compression or inflation or whatever the hell it is, man. And like, we're like, you have the typical mindset of people that are business owners. That's already as, you know, all the same stuff we're talking about mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But what mm -hmm. I love about this is like the biggest leverage point is the mindset. Cause the demand is there. The need is there. The profitability is there. I, I can't, I can't, Think of other industries where it's like, hey, man, the future opportunity is pretty damn bright. <laughs> like, like, it's just that bright. And it's just inside your head and your confidence. It's not just bright, but it can happen quickly because of the, right. the chunks of money you're dealing with. I mean, like paint a house, it's 10, 12 grand. You do a kitchen, it's 60, 70 grand. You do, you know, it's not, these are not like uh, many, many years ago, I coached a personal training person. And I coached a massage therapist. It was funny on the people I've coached. And, <laughs> and the amount, the the amount of things that that massage therapist has to do to make money. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, because they were operating these little chunks of money, these little slivers of money where a contractor. I mean, that that's why, you know, the guy from 300 to 2.7 was such a it's totally possible. fast thing because yeah. I mean, shit, if your average job is 20 grand and we can even just raise your gross profit 10% right out of the gate on your average job, it's another two grand in your pocket right there. Like, like that, it's a mortgage payment, right? Yeah. Depending on where you you're live. not having to bring on, so, by the way, I, oh, you, right. you're bringing on $200,000 AI specialists right. or coders or whatever the hell it is. I mean, like, mm -hmm. you, yeah, I just love it, man. I think the opportunity is enormous, man. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that we haven't covered? You know, one of the things that we we try to pound into people's heads is, you know, listen, if you're going to, you know, we're talking trades here and stuff, but I don't care what business, if you're going to own a business, make sure you're not stealing from your family, time, money, and memories, right? We talk about that a lot in the fight. Stop stealing from your family. And you steal when you don't charge enough. When you steal, when you don't work on sales role plays, you don't learn how to market your business. You don't learn how to be a better leader. You don't honor commitments to be home for dinner. You don't go to the gym. And I know I'm throwing a lot at people here, but it's like, um, it's that inside out game. Success is an yep, inside out yep. game. And if you just trust and attack that process uh, and, and plant your flag there, you're going to win it no matter what you're doing, man. I, I love it. I love it, Tom. Um, if people want to follow you, the show, your books, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, we have the winning the contractor fight. Yep. They can get uh, for free.
just pay shipping and handling. You can get all that at the contractorfight.com. And I think we got, I got to look here, man. I, you, you surprised me. I wasn't ready. Sorry. I know you got your uh, podcast, you got your book, you got your events, all that, all that stuff. Yeah, all, all that's out there, man. And it, and I think, uh, you know, there's a tool I want to give you guys. It's the contractorfight.com forward slash FW day. Yeah. <laughs> FW day. And what that is guys, it's just a PDF, but I'll tell you what this, um, you know, listen, I I've talked about the inside out game and this and that we, uh, to gain momentum, you know, we want to make sure that we're stacking the small wins each day, right? Just win the moments, right? You don't have to eat the elephant one bite at a time. So the FW day is broken into three areas. One or there's two personal activities that we ask you to do a day. There's one pipeline activity and there's one profit activity. That's all awesome. right. And anyone could do it. Like I'll give you an example. The personal activities are, check this out. This, this first one's really hard, man. Put your eyes on your goals today. That's it. Just because what you focus on improves what you focus on, you get more of. And a lot of us focus on our problems and our circumstances and all the shit that's going wrong in the business. And that's why I start every day. I got a little thing on my phone and I got a notebook that I write a few things down and I spend five, 10 minutes a morning just going, Hey, we're buying the land that we want to build our compound on. That's a goal. You know, I'm doing this mm -hmm. with this, I'm doing this with this. And I just take five minutes, a couple minutes, put my eyes on my goal. The second thing is work out. I don't care what the workout is. Just work out. Like seriously, just looked at your goals and worked out, moved your body every day. Okay. And then, um, then there's a pipeline activity where basically it's, we call it unexpected intentional touches, a UIT and send one UIT to a past client every day. Text it. it's individual. Okay. It's, you know, literally as simple as, Hey Ryan, it's Tom. We painted the first floor of your house last spring. Just wanted to check in and see how it's looking. Send. How much Done. of that just equals more business, man? Right. It's gotta be. Well, well, we have a guy. We have a guy who, um, and I'm I'm just asking people here on the FWA just do it once a day. One of the dudes GC in Milwaukee that we work with, dude. In addition to his other marketing and everything else he did, this one task that he did for a year put over a million bucks of revenue in his company. Because what happens, nice. we found about five percent of these turn into a sales conversation. For sure. Okay. Hey, you know, we were just thinking about you. Or, hey, it's or looking my neighbor great. or whatever it, it yeah, is. It, hey, it's looking great. Thanks for checking in. And that's the end of it. Right. Whatever. It's not, a, you're not selling it. You're genuine, just genuinely just going, I give a crap about you. How's it looking? And, and then the third activity we call a profit activity. One thing today, to protect your profit. You know, we give some examples on there. You could, you know, <laughs> do job costing on a project to see how you did, right? You could do, maybe you have to have a tough conversation with a client and that's going to protect your profit down the line or with an employee, or we have a sales role play thing that we do every day. It's called the Agogi, you know, inside of our battleground coaching group, you know, and every day, five days a week, weekdays, we have live sales training role play. So jump on there and learn how to sell, do something to protect your profit. Love it. And those are, that's the FW day. And, uh, it's all mapped out on a download if if they go to the contractorfight.com forward slash FW day. Tom, so. this has been awesome, man. I am full support of the fight you're on. I appreciate, I appreciate it so it, much. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. This is like literally it's the opportunity is amazing, man. I appreciate you having me, man. It was great chatting. You're very easy to talk to. Those these are always the fun ones, man. So that's awesome. <laughs> Got it. 
Thanks for listening into that conversation. I hope you found the time valuable. If you enjoyed the conversation, please leave the show a review on your podcast player. We're constantly trying to up those reviews. It helps a lot with the visibility. And if you didn't catch the commercial in the middle of that episode, there's two different ways that we can help you. One is if you want that kind of clarity, we have a coaching program that is based on the five intense growth principles and uses the material to help you get that kind of clarity on your target equity valuation and income that you need on the way towards that valuation. What you want from the business long term and why, and then how to get aligned with your leadership and your partners so that way everybody's working in the right direction to get you what you want. And the second way is if you want to jump right into the data and you want to actually build out your financial roadmap with your three statements and tie your financials and your operational data to that target equity valuation, my team offers a complimentary financial assessment. Either way, all you have to do is go use the link in the show notes below, schedule a discovery call with me. We can walk through your situation, figure out if there's a fit or not. And if not, I can point you in the right direction. Thanks everybody for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you next week.